Today we're going to continue this series titled, I'm Not Blank Enough. And uh, today's message is going to be, I'm Not Disciplined Enough. We've talked about uh, our feelings of inferiority when it comes to our um, uh, intellect. I'm not smart enough. We've talked about, I'm not attractive enough. The last time we uh, were in the series, I talked to you about, I'm not talented enough. And today I want to talk about, I'm not disciplined enough. Kind of like the guy in this video we just saw. I'm not disciplined enough. Now, is that something you've ever said before? Have you ever said to yourself or to somebody else, I just don't have the discipline. I'm not disciplined enough. If you have, then you're not alone. You're not alone. Many of us struggle with this feeling of being undisciplined in a certain area of our lives. Maybe it's in our diet, how we eat. Maybe it's in uh, lack of exercise. We don't have the discipline to, to exercise. Maybe it's in the area of finances. Maybe it's in the area of having a devotional time, a time of prayer and reading the Bible daily. Or maybe we struggle in all those areas. And so this is something that uh, I want to talk about today because I think that many of us deal with this. And so uh, if, if you're watching on Facebook Live this morning, I want to invite you and encourage you to hit like and share on the video and let others uh, in on what we're talking about this morning as we talk about I'm not disciplined enough. You know, there have been times when I'm disciplined enough to get up early in the morning to start my day, whether, you know, of course, to have uh, uh, private time with God, uh, devotional time, or maybe I get up early to, to get my run in early in the morning. And uh, so I get up early, I got that discipline. And other times, I barely allow enough time to get dressed and eat breakfast before I have to head out the door for that day. Uh, some days I can say no to sweets and a lot of other unhealthy foods. And other days I can eat an entire basket of chips and salsa before I eat that entire plate of enchiladas and rice and beans all by myself. Um, it's a struggle. You know, it's a struggle. You know, being disciplined and living a dis- disciplined life, I can tell you from example, and you can too, it's a great feeling, isn't it? To, to, to be disciplined, to have self-control, to practice self-control. When I get up early to run, I feel good physically. I feel good emotionally. And when I practice disciplined eating, I mean, I want the whole world to know that I'm eating well. And so it might go on Instagram or something like that. When I don't practice self-control, well, you know, it's nobody's business what I'm eating. You know, who cares? That's, that's my business. But the Bible has a lot to say about Self-discipline. In fact, there's no shortage of, of biblical passages or of um, examples of biblical characters who some practice self-control, lived a life of self-discipline. Others didn't. And so we could have gone Old Testament, New Testament. Certainly our greatest example is, is Jesus Christ in terms of uh, living a disciplined life. But today I want to talk to you about Peter. I want to look at the story of Peter. We're going to read from Acts Chapter 5, beginning with verse 27. But before we read this passage, let me, let me set it up a little bit. Uh, Peter and his disciples, this is after uh, Jesus has died, risen from the dead. He's gone back up to heaven. And Peter and, and the other apostles have been preaching the gospel. And so they've been brought in before the religious leaders of that time. Because they've been so bold in preaching about Jesus openly. Boldly in the temple courts, out in the open. 
In fact, they had been arrested and they had been put in jail for this. But in the middle of the night, as they were in jail, in the middle of the night, the Bible says that an angel appeared, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And he opened the doors of the jail and he led them out. And then he gave them these instructions. He told them, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. And so bright and early that, that same morning, Peter and the rest of the apostles went back to the temple courts. And did as, as the angel had told them. They began to preach about Jesus once again. So later that day, when the religious leaders who thought they were still, Peter and the apostles were still in jail, they sent for them. And when the guards went to go get them, they found that the jail doors were locked. Everything was in place, but Peter and the apostles were gone. And so when they came back to tell the religious leaders at the same time, somebody came running and said, the men you're looking for are back in the temple courts and they're still speaking about Jesus. And so then we pick up the story in Acts 5, 27. Follow along in your Bibles. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus. Whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Referring of course to the cross. God exalted him in his right hand as leader and savior. To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit. Whom God has given to those who obey him. Then verse 33 says. When they heard this. They were enraged and wanted to kill him. Or to kill them. They were enraged and wanted to kill them. Now they, as we read the story, they didn't actually kill them. But they did have them flogged before they were released. In fact, after they were released, Peter and the, and the rest of the apostles rejoiced that they were found worthy worthy uh, to suffer for the Lord. And then they went right back to uh, preaching and teaching about Jesus. What an amazing Thing. You know, it's a, a great story, and you may be wondering what this story has to do with uh, what this story has to do with being disciplined. What what it has to do with a disciplined life. If you're familiar with Peter's background, you might be surprised that he's the one who's taking the lead and standing up to the religious leaders. Uh, he wasn't afraid of them, even though he had reason to be afraid. Because they could have had him killed. They were the ones who had Jesus killed. And so they, you know, they, they weren't afraid of, of doing this. And uh, yet it was Peter who was standing up to them. Uh, previously, Peter, this same Peter, had been lacking in discipline. had been lacking in courage. And now he stands up to lead the way in not only in preaching and in teaching, but in standing up to the religious leaders. He's definitely a changed man. Changed from fearful to courageous, changed from undisciplined to empowered. So how did this happen? How did Peter become a, a courageous, disciplined man when he previously was undisciplined in his way of life, fearful? How, how did this happen? Well, before we answer that question, before we answer that question, let's look at Peter before his transformation. Now, when I say that Peter was undisciplined, I'm not 
I'm not saying that Peter was uh, lazy. Peter was not lazy. He was a hardworking man. He was a fisherman. He was, he was used to working hard as a fisherman. He would work all night catching fish. I mean, that was his work ethic. But at the same time, as hardworking as he was as a fisherman, he was undisciplined in other areas, as we're going to see. Now, isn't that just like us? In which we might be disciplined when it comes to our jobs. We show up to work on time. We work hard at our jobs. We work late. When we have to, uh, we show up early when we have to. But when it comes to other areas of our lives, we tend to be undisciplined. With this strange combination of, of discipline and lack of discipline simultaneously. We can be disciplined with our job, but with other areas, we're undisciplined. And that described, it certainly described uh, Peter's life. He had little self-control, for example, when it came to his mouth. Very undisciplined when he came to his tongue, to his mouth. He spoke, uh, he often spoke harshly. Uh, he would be brash in the way he spoke. He would brag on himself and he would put others down to make himself look good. He would say to Jesus, oh, they may do that, but I will never do that because I will never fail you. They're going to fail you. Now, this, the way he spoke was very brash and, um, you know, very just full of pride. Uh, once he even, he even tried to uh, rebuke Jesus when Jesus spoke about going to the cross. Remember this story? Some of you know this story. When Jesus spoke about going to the cross, he tried to rebuke him and he said, No, 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 Jesus, you will never do that. And Jesus had to speak to him harshly. In fact, Jesus responded to him with these words, Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So it was a lack of discipline in his, in his speech. That, you know, uh, and, and there were other areas, but Peter's lack of discipline, I think, came to the service even more the closer that Jesus got to dying on the cross. On the night he was arrested, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him as he spent some time in prayer. Jesus was looking for support from his friends, but he didn't get any. In fact, let's read in Matthew 26. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew 26, 36. This is the night that Jesus was betrayed, right before he was betrayed. And then, of course, he was uh, killed the next day. So Matthew 26, 36 says, And Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him. Along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then the passage tells us that Jesus went away a second time. He prayed and then he came back and he found them asleep again because the Bible says their eyes were so heavy. He found them asleep again. And this time he didn't even bother waking them up, but he, he left them and he went away and he prayed a third time. Now, Jesus here... 
was in great need. He was wrestling in prayer. He's struggling with what he's about to do, what was about to happen. And he was, you know, he's asking God, if it's possible, Lord, if there's another way, don't make me go through this. And then he said, not to God, but he said to Peter and the, the other two disciples, he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he told them, stay with me. And instead, they fell asleep. Now, what would you say if the closest friend you have said to you, I am so sorrowful to the point of death. To the point of death. If somebody mentions that to you, you think, oh, look, I'm going to stay with you. I've got to find you some help or I'm going to pray with you. I'm not going to leave you alone. If somebody mentions, you know, I feel like dying. I feel like I feel like checking out. I'm like, what reason do I have to live? And that's not what Jesus was saying. But he was saying, look, I'm, I'm filled with sorrow. It's overwhelming to the point of death. And Peter's response was, he couldn't keep his eyes open. He fell asleep. No discipline. And Jesus came back and woke him up and he left him and he fell asleep again. No discipline to pray. No discipline to stay awake to pray. He was able to stay awake all night fishing because, you know, that was his livelihood. But when it came to praying, he couldn't stay awake. Once again, how accurate is that when it comes to our lack of discipline? We can be disciplined for work and for things that we enjoy, for hobbies, for exercise. But when it comes to prayer or some other spiritual discipline, we're suddenly too tired. We're too tired. And Peter's lack of discipline didn't just cause him to fail to support Jesus when Jesus needed him. To support him with prayer. To support him with his presence. But ultimately his lack of discipline proved him to be a coward when Jesus needed him the most. We read about this in in Matthew, still in Matthew 26. Look at verse 69. This is as Jesus is being tried. He's being convicted unfairly. Matthew 26, 69 reads like this. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. He's talking about his savior here. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses. And he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows... You will disown me three times. And he, Peter, went outside and wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. Because denying Jesus feels terrible. Because a life of a lack of discipline, a lack of self-control, eventually leads to a feeling of defeat. He wept bitterly. And Jesus had predicted this. Peter had been bragging about how he would not fail away when Jesus said, Tonight 
Uh, all of you will fall away. And Jesus had been bragging, or Peter had been bragging, No, I'm not going to fall away. Everybody else might, but I won't. That's when Jesus said, Not only will you fall away, but tonight you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows once. He must have felt like a failure. No courage. No discipline. No future. I mean, at this point he's thinking, I denied Jesus. I disowned him. Don't even have the strength to stand up for him. He must have felt like there was no turning back from his condition. And I think this point right here is very critical for Peter. I think he could have gone the wrong direction. See, he was not the only one that was rebuked by Jesus. When Jesus rebuked him and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. There was another one of the disciples that was was rebuked by Jesus, and that was Judas Iscariot. The only two that were rebuked by Jesus, one of them, Judas, found no forgiveness. He didn't turn to Jesus. He felt the same remorse that Peter felt. Peter felt remorse and he cried bitterly. Judas felt remorse and he took his own life. And I think Peter was also in that same danger to just turn away from Jesus. Just walk away because here's, here's something that I want you to remember. Satan wants to use our lack of discipline to condemn us. But God wants to use it to restore us and empower us. If there's one thing that Satan wanted of Peter at that time, at that time, was that Peter would feel so defeated that he would not find and turn to God to find forgiveness. Turn to Jesus to find forgiveness. Satan wants to use our lack of discipline to condemn us. I'm a failure. I'm a nobody. I'll never have the breakthrough. I'll never be able to overcome this bad habit of mine. He wants to uh, make us feel defeated. But God wants to bring order to our chaos. God wants to bring power for our weaknesses. So when this happened, I think Peter was on the brink, despondent, feeling like a failure. He cried bitterly, grieved by his sin. He could have easily turned away from Jesus, never to be restored. The difference was that Peter became a man of prayer. Judas didn't seek forgiveness. He took his own life. But Peter became a man of prayer. He became a fearless preacher. What was the difference? The difference was that Peter was restored by Jesus and he was empowered By the Holy Spirit. Because here's another important point. When you struggle, like we all do, with a lack of discipline, then seek God's restoration and seek the Holy Spirit's empowering. If you struggle, and it really is not an if, it's when. When you struggle with a lack of discipline in one area or in many areas, then the way to address that is to seek God's restoration. If you've, you're in a place that maybe your lack of discipline is caused by the fact that you've, you've gotten away from God. You've lost your way. You've, you've turned away from Jesus. And be restored to Him. Seek Him. Seek His forgiveness like, like Peter was forgiven. Seek to be restored. God wants to restore you. 
If you're walking down the wrong path and it's leading you to a life of, uh, of where there's no self-control. You don't see any of the fruit of the Spirit. The, the fruit of the Spirit that's mentioned, the last one is the fruit of self-control. And you're not seeing that in your life. Then seek to be restored and then seek the empowering of the Holy Spirit. The infilling of the Holy Spirit because that's the power that we need. And Peter was restored by Jesus and he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. We know the story of his restoration because we find it in, in the scriptures in John 21. And um, we, we read the story of how Jesus had cooked breakfast for them after they had spent a night of fishing. After Jesus uh, died, uh, he rose again. Before they knew that he was alive again, they went back to their fishing. And so they had tried to fish. They hadn't had any success until Jesus showed up. Then Jesus cooked breakfast for them. And John 21, 15 says that when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved. This is what he's dealing with. This uh, feeling grieved, feeling like a failure. He was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And just as Peter had denied and disowned Jesus three times, now Jesus gives him a chance to be restored by giving him a chance to say three times, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you more than these. You know everything. You know I love you more than these. And his restoration had begun. But just as important as that was, there was one more thing that needed to happen for Peter. And that was he needed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that happened in the book of Acts chapter 2. In the book of Acts chapter 2, I want to read just the first four verses Acts 2.1 says that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. When suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole, whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And verse 4 says that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is the telling of the account of the first time the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out. There were 120 of, of Jesus' disciples that were there. 500 of them had heard the instructions from Jesus. 500 men and women had heard from, or maybe even just men, had heard from Jesus before He ascended, go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And so we assume that 500 of them went. But after 10 days of waiting, of praying, there was a time of prayer. After 10 days, 380 had left. They'd gone home, had gone back to the jobs or something. Only 120 were there when the Holy Spirit came. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And there were people from all over the, the Jewish world, or the known world, I should say, uh, people, God-fearing Jews from all over the world that were there. The Bible says, from every nation under heaven. And in fact, this passage lists for us the different countries they were from. 
And they were amazed because they heard these 120 praising God in their own languages. Languages that the disciples had not learned, but the Spirit of God was enabling them. The disciples were not testifying directly to the men who were there from other countries, in Jerusalem from other countries. They were there for this Feast of Pentecost. And so they weren't speaking to them. They were praising God in, in their languages. Languages that they said, how is it we hear them in our own languages? We know they don't speak all these languages, yet we hear them praising God in these languages. And then, of course, there were others, who there always are, who mocked them, who said, they're drunk, they're drunk. Now, out of 120 of Jesus' disciples who were being filled with the Holy Spirit, who were speaking in tongues, of all of them, guess who stood up to explain to everything what was going on? To, th- to tell them, no, we're not drunk, but this is a fulfillment of a prophecy from the book of Joel and begins to preach. It was Peter. Of all the disciples that were there and the other followers of Jesus, the one who couldn't stay away, couldn't keep his eyes open to pray, to support Jesus. The one who didn't have the courage to stand up for Jesus. The one who couldn't control his mouth. He's the one who stood up and began to preach a powerful message. A clear message. And he's the same one who told the religious leaders, You killed Jesus. You killed him. And again, he knew that they wouldn't hesitate to have him killed. But he said, look, we would rather obey God than to obey you. What happened to Peter? What changed him? He was restored by Jesus. And he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And what we read about in the book of Acts, chapter 2, this passage we just read. This took place on the day of Pentecost. Day of Pentecost. This is the first time, but not the only time that Christians were baptized in the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues. Now we, Solid Rock Church, we're an Assemblies of God Church, we're known as Pentecostals. What is a Pentecostal? There's a a magazine that you received this morning, has some great articles, I hope that you'll read them. Take your time to read through them this week. And has some explanations, but I'll, I'll say right now, a Pentecostal is someone who believes in the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in unknown tongues. The name Pentecost, we're called Pentecostals. The name uh, Pentecostals is given to us because the Holy Spirit, as I just said, was first poured out on the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was actually a Jewish feast, the Feast of Pentecost. It was celebrated 50 days after the Passover. So the word Pentecost means 50 so the feast, the uh, Jewish feast of, of Passover came first. We celebrated Easter 50 days ago, seven weeks ago. So first we have the feast of Passover, and then 50 days later, seven weeks later, we have the feast of Pentecost. So the feast of Pentecost for the Jewish uh, people was a harvest celebration. It was a celebration of the harvest. So it makes sense that Pentecost, or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is about a spiritual harvest. In fact, that's what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's talking about Pentecost or Pentecostal power, the Holy Spirit power, for a spiritual harvest. 
To be witnesses. To reach the lost. Power. He's talking about power. You will receive power. Power to be witnesses. But the power to be witnesses overflows into other areas of our lives. It doesn't mean we'll never be tempted or we'll never be indisciplined again. The temptation will always be there. And Peter, even after this happened, was not perfect. In fact, one time Paul had to rebuke him because of a misstep he took. But what it does mean is that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we're filled for power to be witnesses, but this power overflows into other areas. So we can always tap into the power of the Holy Spirit at any time, for any reason, for any purpose in our lives. The baptism of the Holy Spirit made a huge difference in Peter's life. And it can do the same thing for us today. And I've been talking about Peter, but in reality, all the disciples were transformed on the day of Pentecost, when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It's just that Peter's transformation is a little more dramatic. And again, he took the lead. In Acts 5.29, we read that Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. So he's like taking the lead. He's running the point. Acts 2.14, when he preached his sermon, we read that Peter stood up with the eleven. And he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. So they were there, but again, he took the lead. And that same transforming power is available for us today. Let me read one more uh, passage from Acts 2.38. This is part of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. Peter replied, because the, the men that heard him said, What shall we do? You know, they, were, they were cut to the heart. So Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So this is a promise for all of us today. He says, for you, for your children, and for all who are far off. We're far off from that event, but the promise is for us today. So I want to ask you today, what will you do what will you do with a feeling that something is not working in your life? What will you do with that gnawing feeling like, I'm so undisciplined. I, I can't have the breakthrough I need because I just don't have the self-control. What will you do with that? Don't get stuck in the belief that nothing will change. It will change. And you can have the discipline, the power, not just to be a witness but to show self-control in your spiritual life and your eating habits and your prayer life and your speech patterns. It's possible for us today if we turn to God for restoration and to His Holy Spirit for empowering. We're going to have a time of seeking God, but first I want, to, I want us to pray together. Would you bow for prayer? Father, thank you so much for, for this opportunity we have today on this day of Pentecost. To seek the power of your Holy Spirit. To seek forgiveness for our sins and restoration to you when we have failed you. To know that just because we failed you doesn't mean that things have to remain the same way. Just because we have lacked discipline doesn't mean that we, we are stuck in that pattern for the rest of our lives. Because we know that when we seek you, you restore us to a right standing with you. 
And you also promise, God, to give us your Holy Spirit. This is a promise that's for all of us today. And on this Pentecost Sunday, there's no better way to mark it, to remember it, to celebrate it, than by seeking the empowering of your Holy Spirit. So we turn to you, God. Don't don't allow the enemy to deceive us, that we might not be deceived by the enemy who says things will never change for you. You'll always be that way, a failure. But that the bitterness that we feel or the grief that we feel because we, we failed you would lead us to you. Now we can find forgiveness and power from you. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.